relationship that scares us. A podcast about scary stuff.、Ah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to shit that scares us. Post hiatus. That kind of rhymed, but kind of didn't. Hi, Vic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Oh my gosh. Are you feeling rested? We're back. I'm feeling ecstatic. I'm ready to do this. Let's kick some fucking ass. Let's kick some fucking ass. That's what happens when you take a month off. You come back and you're re- revitalized. Oh god, honestly, I needed it though. Like,、mm. uh, do everyone, everyone needs a refresh every now and then because otherwise you just run out of energy to do all of life's awesome things.、So. Burnout is a real thing that everybody has faced many a time in the last few years. I'm sure we're all sick of hearing the word, like the word burnout in general, but like even sicker of feeling it.、Um, so oh yeah. god, yeah. Take a rest I- day if you can. <laughs> Yeah, self care, everyone. Remember that. Yes, yes, absolutely. What have you? What did you do? What were you doing in the time、um, off? <laughs> I caught up with family. I went and did some adventures. Caught up with some friends.、Um, hugged my cat a lot.、Uh, watched, watched some cool TV shows.、Um, I am currently obsessed with the TV show. I think it's actually been out for a while.、Um, called Evil. Okay, never heard of it. it is, Do tell. It is about a priest and a psychologist who kind of cross、uh, paths in the court system, because、um, this guy murdered his family and is kind of like you know saying that a demon made him do it. Right.、Um, and the so、demon. they dive into this whole thing of like you know helping the church in a sense, like you know prove if miracles exist or prove if you know someone is possessed. So it's like this kind of like fine line between the. You know, supernatural, but also like the psychological aspects of maybe demonic possession and stuff like that. You know, is it a mental illness?、Um, but it's, it's very interesting, and I binge watched the entire first season. I'm now on the second season, so I highly recommend it if you guys want to watch something kind of like spooky, but also not too far fetched into the supernatural.、Um, definitely check out Evil. Oh, lovely, will do. I've just been rewatching Vampire Diaries because it's my comfort TV show, and yes, I will never stop. Yes, I love it. I, I will love never it. stop rewatching Vampire Diaries ever. Sorry, <laughs> um, I just love it when they start to bring in all of the more, you know, like the nuance, supernatural, and then there's a werewolf, and then there's a heretic, and it's like it's a never-ending, like cesspool of just random supernatural creatures, and it just never ends, which is my favorite part. Um, season one is so like tame compared to the rest of them. Like I feel like it's so innocent and like it's just about vampires. It, it gets、mm. really intense real quick. Like、yeah. I remember those last couple of seasons of、um, Vampire Diaries, like when it kind of crosses all, you know,、yeah. subgenres that they have going on. And it's just、yeah. like, whoa, what the fuck's going? You're on? like, what genre is this TV show? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so that's me. And then what else did I do? Nothing. Uni and I am work, and that's it. But now we're back, and we're gonna read some stories to you today. Vic is gonna go first.、Uh, bravely put her hand up. And then I'm gonna listen, sit back, and、uh, enjoy,、uh, just like you. So, do you wanna? Yeah. What are you doing today? Um. So this story is very spooky. Um. It's very real world, which is even scarier. Um. But it is by Therapy Chick Seven. Thank you so much for letting me share your story. This is a truly harrowing experience, and I hope no one else ever has to experience something like this. It is called. I looked like his next victim. I, a 28-year-old female, was in my first year as a physical therapist at a large hospital chain. 
Though I was inside of the hospital, I worked in a small outpatient clinic where patients came in for me um, and, you know, had appointments and then left. As the newest therapist, I was given the late shift from 9 to 7.30. That catered to those who needed therapy and also had to, you know, work during the day. We were usually pretty slow in the evening since most of our patients were retired seniors, so I was alone after five. Like any normal day, I had a new evaluation come in for shoulder pain. Pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. He was a middle-aged man, good-looking, well-educated, and very polite. I did the evaluation and decided to see him twice a week for six weeks. I tried to assign him to my assistant, but he refused to be treated by him, stating he would only work with me. That was fine. He wanted later treatment times anyways, and my assistant went home before I did. Our first few weeks of treatments go by. He was so kind and charismatic. I started to look forward to treating him, as well as we shared a lot of the same interests. He'd even start waiting for me after lockup and walking me to my car in the parking garage. I hated the parking garage, especially when it was so dark, so I welcomed him walking me to my car. At some point in our treatments, though, I noticed a shift in him. Our light, small talk started to turn more flirty, from him anyways. I was happily married, and no flirting back then, but as any woman knows, some men can confuse our niceness with flirtation. He started making advances and asking me out for drinks after therapy. I politely declined and tried to circle back to talking about his therapy, he started to become agitated and become less and less compliant with the exercises. He stopped talking as much as well. I could tell the mood had shifted. This day, I decided it would be best not to walk with him to my car. I didn't tell him this at first, so he went out of the clinic and waited for me by the elevator for me to lock up. I wasn't sure what to do, and I couldn't call my partner as they were out of town on business. So I opened the door from the clinic to the hall where he was waiting and told him I had paperwork to catch up on and would see him at his next appointment. He looked at me with such anger in his eyes and started walking faster and faster back to the door. I was lucky I was able to close it and flip the lock before he made it to the door. He pushed the handle down, trying to get back in, realizing it was locked, and stepped back. Of course, this door is essentially a giant window, and he could see me on the other side freaking out, but trying my best to conceal it. He told me to let him inside, and he could wait with me while I finished my notes. I said thank you, but I had a lot to do. He insisted, and I declined again. He pushed once again on the door, and when it didn't open quickly, turned around and angrily went back to the elevator. I was shaking and terrified that he would come back, so I went to the private offices and locked the door as well. I grabbed a large dowel rod that wouldn't do much to him, but made me feel a little better to have it. At this point, I knew I couldn't leave as he knows where I park my car and what car I drive, and he could be waiting for me. I called security from the hospital, and luckily one of the guards was doing his rounds close by and said he would walk me to my car. We head out to my car and I see my patient parked a few spots down from me inside of his car. When he sees me and the guard walking towards my car, he backs up and pulls away. I thank the guard and get into my car. I drive a few loops before going home to make sure that I wasn't followed. Luckily, I wasn't.
The next day, I go to my boss and I tell her what happened. She accuses me of being paranoid and says I need to continue to treat him. I ask her about having another therapist stay with me when it's so late. And she says she'll ask a few people, but not to get my hopes up, as nobody likes working the late shift. I work a normal day, dreading the next day, knowing that that is when I'm scheduled to see him again. That evening, I call my brother and ask him to come to the clinic when this patient was supposed to be there and wait in the waiting room. Thankfully, he agrees. The next day, it is time for the patient to come in, but no one is there. This patient is usually early to his appointment, so I was very surprised. 15 minutes go by? 30 minutes go by. He's still not here. I decided to wait long enough and then lock up myself, and then my brother and I left. Weekend comes and goes, and by Monday I'm back at work. I've had no messages from the patient about the no-show and no plans to reschedule. Lunchtime rolls around and I decide to go to the hospital cafeteria to eat. There are TVs scattered around and I sit in front of one playing the local news. I occasionally look up and then look at my phone. And one of the times that I look up, I see a familiar face. My patient. He was in handcuffs and being walked out of his house. The sound wasn't on, but I read his name as being arrested under suspicion of multiple murders. My jaw dropped to the floor. Now the TV had my full attention as three pictures of young white blonde women popped up on the screen as his apparent victims. Young blonde white women looking very similar to myself. It took me a while to fully grasp what I had just seen. I went to my manager and I told her what I saw. Apparently, not believing me, she searched his name in Google and sure enough, there were multiple articles and news clips talking about his arrest. She apologised to me for not listening when I expressed my concerns and told me I could leave early if I needed. I stayed the rest of my shift but told her I wouldn't work late anymore by myself. By the next shift, I had one more therapy aide assigned to stay until I'd closed. I ended up transferring to a different part of the hospital that had better hours a few months later. I can't help but wonder what would have happened if I'd gone to get drinks with him, or if I'd continued to let him walk me to my car. I mean, I was only going to see him for a couple more weeks, so what was his plan? Was I his next target? He is still awaiting trial last I checked and hopefully will be convicted. So he will be locked up and far away from me and anyone else. And that's the story. Oh my God, that was so crazy. That is terrifying. <laughs> I have never I... heard a first hand account of someone who's like, like, you know, like it had his mm. experience on a really close call with a kid, like a, person who could be a killer have they said who that who it is or is it all uh, pri- no, like no. being kept so, private um, and stuff i i think it has name suppression and obviously i, yeah, I right. didn't want to pry um because you know yeah. that can uh, influence the case uh, no matter where you are in the of world course, um yeah. so we want to oh make sure this this terrible human being is put away because that is awful holy um, shit i'm so, so yeah, sorry no. that that happened Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, no, I um, I reached out and I was like, "I hope you're okay." Oh my gosh, it's you know terrifying. I would hate to experience it myself. Like, oh my goodness! Mm. Holy moly, that was really well told and well read, and just oh, just the image of like him on the other side of the glass. 
Yeah. Like, oh. you could just envision the anger of just, like, Ugh. Yeah. And it's like uh, it that, is, right? Like, you know that you is. made the right choice because they'll flip so fast. Like, people will flip it's, like it's, that. It's really yeah. scary. Like, I mean, I haven't had that, you know, dangerous of an experience. But, like, um, you know, when you're a young person and you're out on the town, you're making friends with new people. Like, you're just being, you know, nice, polite, charismatic. And some people can take that the wrong way and mm. take that as, like, a signal that you're interested in them and, you know, a more of an intimate way. And it's like, well, no, I don't really know you. I'm yeah. just being polite, funny, and charismatic. And so yeah. when they don't, you know, reciprocate or whatever, it's it can turn out badly. Um, yeah. And, yeah, this is definitely one of those times where he <laughs> yeah. didn't get his way. He just, like, <laughs> envi- he obviously envisioned this. He had this whole fabricated idea of what was yeah. going on, right? Like It's pretty much how it happens, yeah. Uh, yeah, along with being a uh, supposed uh, psychopath. So that's really fucking scary and i'm so glad that the teller is safe because or well, at least is you know didn't end yeah, up well, as one of those people like oh yeah they they oh. are they are safe and well so yeah <laughs> and this person oh, is going to prison <laughs> yes fucking hell put him away oh my god okay we're moving on to something <laughs> that's like i don't know if this is technically wholesome it's not it's not really wholesome but it is um, a story that is a go- more of a ghost story. So we've got a real variety today. So this is a little ghost story that takes place in a Catholic private school, which are my fa- my favourite types of ghost stories, personally. Don't know why I'm doing a Moira Rose impression suddenly. But this story is given to us courtesy of Baby Doll Joy. Thank you so much. And it's titled The Little Girl in the Pink Dress. So this all happened back when I was in first or second grade, so I may be a little fuzzy on the details. Back in the first couple of grades, I attended a Catholic private school which lay beneath an old church. Now from what I remember, this basement had originally been a funeral-type home. I believe that the newly renovated gym had been the place in which they had kept the coffins. That room always gave off a dark vibe. A vibe I also felt upstairs in a certain corner of the church. A lot of weird things happened in that gym. One of my friends cut her hand badly on some scissors. One of the teachers nearly fell off a ladder, which was a perfectly stable ladder. And then, there's my story. One evening after class, I and two sisters were playing around entertaining ourselves. Their mother, the principal, was finishing up some paperwork, so we unfortunately had to wait. My father was in school, and my stepmom at work. I started up a game of hide-and-seek, and the sisters agreed. The older one, let's call her Sarah, said that she'd count so her sister, I'll call her Lily, and I could run and hide. Lily went into one of the classrooms while I ran off towards the gym. At this time, most of the lights were off, except for the emergency ones, so it was pretty dark. Along the wall on the left side in front of the gym were some stairs. I crouched down in the darkness there, and I waited. I was waiting for maybe three minutes, when I felt a chill go down my spine. Instinctively, I looked over to the gym doors, which were open outwards, On the glass door opposite me, I noticed the reflection of a little girl about my age. She was watching me. She was wearing a pinkish dress. A sundress, perhaps. And her hair was tied up in two long pigtails that looked like my current hairstyle. 
This little girl looked very unfamiliar, and I remember feeling very confused, as I'd been told earlier not to play in the gym. At this time, I'd also like to say that my uniform consisted of a navy blue dress, a white undershirt, tights, and black shoes, thus my confusion towards her outfit. As I was waiting there, she waved at me, and gave me this kind of weird, happy smile. I waved back, still confused, and then I heard my friends calling. I went to meet them, and they seemed freaked, spewing things out like, I saw the devil, and oh my gosh, something scary happened. I mentioned a little girl, which freaked them out even more, so we all ran back to the office to be near their mum. I'm still wondering as to who or what that was, because every time I think about it, a huge wave of fear washes over me. And then in the comments underneath this, someone has asked what the girls saw. Did they ever tell the person the teller? And the teller says, I never got an answer for that. They didn't see the little girl. I do know that. I honestly think they were messing with me. So that's the very brief story of a little ghost encounter inside a Catholic school, which I just thought was very interesting because there was no... And I kind of love this. There was no conclusion to it. The open-ended likeness of that story is almost scarier to me than finding out what happened and like who it was. Mm. Um, and let it just be known that when I first read this, I imagined the sisters as being like nuns, but they weren't. They were children. Oh, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> so it was three children playing. Um, and so obviously the kids ran up. And it was just a happy coincidence, not happy, but it was a coincidence that they started saying stuff, I think, that they had seen. Um, like, I saw the devil and I saw this. I think that was coincidental. Little did they know that the teller had had this little um, encounter in the gym. First Honestly, you've got it's Catholic it's, school. <laughs> yeah, Catholic school and then demon. <laughs> and then no, no, demon no, no, no. child, perhaps. It's it's funny though because like mm. everything that I've ever read or ever seen in terms of pop culture and TV and stuff like that, when it comes to you know demons or whatever making contact, they always seem to take the form of a little girl. And mm. like I don't know if that's just because like it's non-threatening and innocent, and most people want to help a small child. Or well, I think in the in the in the like just in a to be narrative, as fuck. <laughs> yeah, in a narrative way, like if you're looking at stories about. Uh, from a narrative perspective like I mm. think the scariest thing that you could say is that the worst evil was contained in the most innocent looking form right yeah yeah, yeah that, like that that concept is very like because <laughs> who can you really trust then at the end of the day if that's the case <laughs> I hope that school is doing okay <laughs> thank you very much to the teller for sharing that I love little kid stories so like um, experiences that you have that are fuzzy from childhood there's just an additional sense of like um, uneasiness and like I don't know like the the fact that you can't remember everything and yeah it's details. like did I remember that correctly am yeah. I am I imagining it like am I filling yeah. in the blanks that was so fun we had a really like a longer yeah great time, great first short, episode back ghosty um, perfect amount yeah it's good good some good stories honestly I I like, absolutely loved it yeah thank you so much for those who share and if you do want to continue to share. Uh, you should just troll the Reddit forums that we go on, but also you can email <laughs> us directly at shitthatscaresuspod at gmail.com. And that way, um, you have a main line to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, drop us an email if you want to, you know, share your stories or just say, Hey, we, we love to talk to you. 
Yes, um, and if you want to check out our Instagram at shit that scares us, um, you can keep up to date with all the cool content that we post. Um, oh, yeah. So, October's yeah. coming up, bud. This is the time. End Honestly, of July. this is my time. This is oh. Get in because we're going to start posting months in advance about October and then months afterwards. So this is the you're, you'll time. never hear the end of it. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I uh, thank you so much for listening, y'all, and we will see you in the next episode. Stay safe. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.